Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I've spent some time recently thinking about the health of public conversation. This phrase, the health of public conversation, was first introduced to me about a year ago as I listened to an interview with Jack Dorsey, who is the CEO of Twitter. Dorsey stated that he wanted to use Twitter to help connect the world in healthy, civil, open conversations about issues that matter. However, Dorsey couldn't deny the problems that persistently infiltrate and plague the Twitter platform. Things like abuse, harassment, manipulation, misinformation campaigns, and increasingly divisive echo chambers. We aren't proud of how people have taken advantage of our service, Dorsey confessed, and our inability to address it fast enough. One year later, despite the CEO's intentions and efforts, not a lot has changed. Public conversation, it seems, has never been more unhealthy. And of course, this is not just a problem on Twitter. This problem is everywhere. Over the past two decades, a crushing wave of technology, internet, cable news, social media, it's, it's hit us and it's connected our world in some really amazing ways, but it has yet to improve our ability to discuss the things that matter in a good and productive way. Public conversation. How do we navigate it? How can we improve it? Can the resources of our Christian faith help our world better engage in conversation about issues that matter? Can the Word of God help Christians positively impact this public conversation? Our Gospel lesson from Luke 14 gets right into the heart of these matters. The word we have before us has the power to encourage and humble each one of us. May God give us the ears to listen. In Luke 14, once again, Jesus is invited to the home of a Pharisee for a Sabbath meal, and the religious leaders are all watching him closely. A sick man enters their midst, and Jesus challenges his table mates. Is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? This story sounds so similar to the one that we heard in church last week when Jesus healed a woman bent over by a spinal deformity. Only this time, instead of objecting to Jesus healing on the Sabbath, the leaders all stay silent when Jesus confronts them on this hot-button issue. Jesus healed the man among them, and then he pressed the religious leaders even further. If one of you had a child or an ox that had fallen in a well, wouldn't you help it out even on a Sabbath day? Again, 
they stayed silent. They could not reply to this. The Pharisees were used to setting the rhetorical trap for Jesus, but now they realize Jesus is trapping them. No matter what they say in response, they know that Jesus will find a way to confound them and put them to shame. So they remain silent. Jesus is really going after the religious leaders here. The action continues in verse 7. Jesus noticed how the guests were choosing the places of honor at the table. And from this noticing, Jesus gives a teaching which isn't so much passive-aggressive as it is straight-up aggressive. Jesus references the wisdom of Proverbs 25 as he says, when you're invited to a banquet, don't take the seat of honor for the host just might give your spot to another person and you will be dishonored when you have to move. Instead, take the lowest place so that your host just might invite you up to the honored spot. He gives them this illustration in order to highlight his main point. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility. Yes, this teaching has something to say to us about the value of humility. Jesus' teaching cautions us in being full of pride. Is humility something that could improve the health of public conversation? Absolutely. Imagine our public leaders conducting themselves with humility as they deliberate the heated issues of our day, working together instead of trying to oppose and shame each other for the sake of the common good. Christians should exhibit and promote humble dialogue the kind of dialogue that flows from us, and the kind of dialogue that we support with our cliques, our views, and our votes. This kind of dialogue matters. In our own congregation, we've been engaging in some complex public conversation as of late. Some of you were present last week when a forum was held on the subject of immigration. I was in a pastor's meeting on Tuesday as the four of us were discussing how this conversation went. Pastor John, Pastor Jeff, Lars and I began musing about other ways First Lutheran can help promote healthy conversation over this issue and other issues that matter deeply to our world. In our meeting, Pastor John made a really good point, something that has stuck with me this week. John reminded us that every time we open the Bible together in church, whether it's Wednesday morning, at a circle meeting, men's breakfast, scripture first, 
confirmation class worship, whenever we as Christians open the Bible together, issues that matter do get discussed with great regularity. We don't always have a flashy headline that gathers people together around a specific hot button topic. But each time we encounter scripture, the word of God, which is living and active, absolutely addresses the issues of our day and the concerns of our own hearts head on. Our reading from Hebrews 13 today is a prime example of just this. Did you hear what was being said to the Christian community there? Love one another, show hospitality to strangers, remember those who are in prison and being tortured. This passage discussed the importance of being faithful in marriage. It had a warning against the love of money and an admonition that leaders need to be trustworthy. I don't need to tell you what kind of real world issues these verses speak to in our current society. There is so much for us to learn from the Word of God, things that we can definitely bring into the realm of public conversation. As we start looking at another program year in our congregation next week, I want to encourage you all, look for those opportunities that our church offers to discuss scripture. Yes, I give you these two words of encouragement today. One, remember the value of humility in public dialogue. And two, take advantage of time spent in God's word which will prepare you and guide you in the midst of such conversations. However, this sermon just can't end only with words of encouragement. My job as a preacher isn't to give you words of encouragement, even words from scripture, and send you on your way. Because the truth is this, we will never be able to fully improve the health of public conversation. No algorithm that the team at Twitter is working on can erase human arrogance and pride. Likewise, no admonition to be humble can actually make us humble, and no amount of Bible study will ultimately wipe us of the pride that poisons our hearts. Furthermore, no amount of public conversation will ultimately solve society's greatest ills once and for all. Sin and suffering will be part of this world until that day God makes all things new. But he will make all things new. And that's the promise I want to leave you with today. You remember our Pharisees in the gospel reading, how Jesus had at least momentarily humbled them into silent submission. Although their mouths were shut before him, there's no doubt that a fire of 
anger and rage against him blazed in their hearts, this kind of tension would build and continue throughout the rest of Jesus' public ministry until a plot was hatched to have him killed. By the end of Luke's gospel, even the crowds who had once been so enchanted by Jesus' words and teachings would soon join in this collective cry, crucify him. This kind of pride and rage against God still exists in our own hearts today. May the Spirit humble each of us to admit as much. But God did not let the prideful, hateful words of crucify him overtake his son. Nor will he let pride and sin overtake us. Although Christ died on that cross, he was raised again by the Spirit's power. This promise of new life, one untouched by sin and suffering, is given to all who believe in him. His Spirit is here, making a new believer out of you today, encouraging you back into the world full of his power, remembering that Christ alone is our ultimate hope and salvation. So that's a word you can take back to Twitter. Jesus Christ will not let your pride or your anxieties about the future of this world win. Therefore, these things cannot ultimately steal your hope and joy. Amen.